had no right. Welcome back, boys. 39th episode now finally underway. And first of all, I need to apologize for the lack of content during the past few weeks. I had to take some time off because of personal matters. So I truly hope that you understand why there hasn't been any action on this front. Now, though, we are back on our horse again and feeling better. So I think we should get going since I've missed some major events during the past two weeks. I had planned out an episode dedicated to this year's top prospects, but since the playoffs are right in front of us, that topic has to wait. And also another factor is that the U18 World Championships are ending today. So might as well see how the young guns are performing in that tournament as well. Plus the last draft rankings will be released next week. So I think that is the time to make that episode finally. This week, as you could imagine, we have the playoff preview in the horizon where we will dive into each matchup and go through the main factors for each team. I've already made my prediction on who's going to hoist the cup at the end of the season, so that won't change. But when it comes to other teams involved in the race, I will give my predictions on those as well. So don't worry, jinxing is inbound. There is no doubt about it. So if you root for a team in the playoffs, you better prepare to take an L because of my previous history. But enough chit chat, efficiency is key today and we ain't wasting no more time. So without further ado, let's get going. And we back. As always, small recap of the noteworthy events from the past couple of weeks is in place. And quickly, before we really kick things off, I'll go through the stat leaders around the NHL as well. The top two of last year's NHL entry draft earned themselves their first NHL sheets, and both guys already made their debuts a couple weeks back in the show. Last year's number one pick, Owen Power, signed his ELC with the Sabres after a stellar season for the University of Michigan. And likewise, his teammate Matthew Beniers inked his first NHL contract with the Kraken after going second overall in last year's draft. Both guys made their NHL debuts already, and Beniers was even able to record his first point in his first game as he beautifully assisted Ryan Donato's 14th goal of the year. Power also got his first Gino in the show and both guys showed their strengths in few games they played at the end of the season. They were expected to sign with their NHL teams after Michigan got bounced from the Frozen Four. And while we are on the topic, I also gotta congratulate the University of Denver who took home their ninth national championship and tied Michigan for the most championships in the college hockey history. Very solid team on all sides of the ice and their top guns, Bobby Brink, Carrier Savoie, Cole Gutman, Michael Benning and goaltender Magnus Krona were the leading forces on their way to the ship. Brink also made his debut in the bright lights with the Flyers and I also gotta congratulate our Finnish representative Antti Tuomisto for his major achievement. Strong team across the board as I said and the final result also proved that they were the top team in college this year as they march over Minnesota Mankato in the finals with a 5-1 final result and beat the stacked Michigan team before advancing to the finals. So big congratulations for the Pioneers as well. 
And as you could imagine, Brink, Power and Veneers were not the only players to sign their ELCs and many other players around the world, mostly college and CHL players earned their first paychecks during the past few weeks. And to name a few, here come few notable names that did exactly that. Brendan Brisson and Ivan Morozov, Golden Knights, Simon Johansson, Minnesota, Jess Lucius, Winnipeg, Simon Edvinson, Detroit, Riker Evans, Seattle, Ethan Del Mastro, Chicago, Thomas Bordello, San Jose, Francesco Pinelli, LA, Ken Johnson, CBJ, Javier Burgo, Edmonton, Noel Gundler, Hurricanes, Jordan Harris, Montreal, Jake Sanderson, Ottawa, Nick Abergesi, Toronto, and finally, Kim Nosianen, LA Kings. So shout out to my boy as well. I left out many names that made their NHL debuts as well, but I think that those were the top names that deposited a nice sheet to their bank account just a few days ago. Probably many more names are going to sign in the coming days since it marks the end of the season for many teams and the team building has started already, so there's going to be a whole lot of action in the future as well. On the retirement front, LA's Dustin Brown was the latest guy to announce the fact that this was going to be his last in the bright lights. And I had already mentioned Ryan Getzlaff in the previous episode, so you are already very aware of that. But also, this might have been the last season for both Carey Price and Geno Chara, so there could be a few names that won't appear in the NHL next season either. Price held an emotional speech after the last game against the Panthers, where he only told that because of all the hardship he's gone through during the past couple of years, including injuries, he's made himself clear that this could have been his last game as a professional hockey player. I hope that this wasn't the end, even though he said that this would be the way to leave the sport on his own principles, but still, he's been my favorite Canadian since getting drafted and last year showed that he still has it in him, but on the hindsight, I also fully understand his point of view. But as I said, you just don't want players to leave who you love to watch, and this is exactly the case on his part. Chara also left his possible early farewells in his last game and hasn't fully announced his retirement, but has stated that this might have been his last in the NHL as well. If this is it for these two... I can't do anything else than tip my cap once again. Some of the sport giants are slowly starting to fade away from the time that I was growing into the sport. And with that, I can't address enough the fact that you need to enjoy the moments while they last because they just won't last forever. It's a cliche, but it's the absolute truth. On the next pod, Philosophy with JT, so stay tuned. But I think those were the main headlines around the league from the past couple of weeks. I certainly forgot some already, forgive me for that, but those should cover at least the prospect front at minimum. When it comes to league leaders stat-wise, the obvious thing heading into this season was pretty much Connor McDavid's Artros Trophy, and that exactly became truth as he took home the scoring title with 123 points in just 80 games. Second overall spot was shared between Florida's Jonathan Huberdeau and Calgary's Johnny Gaudreau, who both recorded career-high point totals and ended the season with 115 points in 80 or so games. Fourth place on this list belongs to McDavid's partner in crime, Leon Dreisaitl, who recorded 110 points in 80 games, and the other 
plus 100 point guys in the top 10 were Kirill Kaprizov 108 points, Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos at 106 and Matthew Kajak at 104 points. Rest of the top 10 was rounded out by Vancouver's JT Miller with one point short of 100 and lastly Toronto's Mitch Marner with 97 points in 72 games. Austin Matthews took home the Rocket Richard with 60 goals, while Drysaddle, Chris Kreider and Alex Ovechkin were the only others to reach 50 goals this season. Assist King was Huberto with 85 apples, followed by McDavid 79, Goudreau 75, Artemi Panarins 74 and Roman Yossi rounds out the top 5 with 73 assists in total. Penalty Minute King was Mark Borowiecki with 151 minutes spent in the box, while the top five was completed with names Pat Maroon, Tanner Janal, Brendan Duhame, and Brady Ketchuk. What was remarkable though was that San Jose's Jeffrey Beal only played 34 games during the regular season and still was able to record 114 penalty minutes. Meanwhile, for example, Maroon dressed in 80 games and recorded himself 134 minutes in the box, so talk about dedication. Top producer amongst rookies ended up being Toronto's Michael Banning with 63 points. Trevor Zegers ended the year with 61 points to his name and the top 5 was completed with Lucas Raymond at 3rd with 57 points, Moritz Seider with tremendous 50 points as a rookie defenseman and lastly Anton Lundell rounds out the top 5 with 44 points. It also has to be said that Cole Caulfield had himself a heck of an ending to his season right after Martin St. Louis took the bench in Montreal and in my mind could have challenged for the Calder this year if he had that spark through the course of the entire season. But if my granny had wills, she would have been a bike so doesn't really matter. Roman Yossi had himself a legendary year with 96 points last time achieved by a defenseman in the 1990s by Ray Borg, followed by Kale McCarr at second place with 86 points, Victor Hedman with 85 points, last year's Norris winner Adam Fox with 74 points, and John Carlson rounded out the top 5 with 71 points in total. Rest of the top 10 consisted of Quinn Hughes, Chris Letang and Morgan Riley with 68 points, plus Aaron Ekblad and Devon Taves with 57 points in total. And mind you, Ekblad missed the last 20 games due to injury and played only 61 games this season, so he could have been in the top three easily with a full season to his name. Makar ended the year with remarkable 28 goals and the only two other plus 20 goal scorers from the blue line were Roman Yossi with 23 and Tampa's Victor Hedman with 20 goals. And these three will most likely battle for the Norris this year. And I fully believe that this will finally be the year when the Swiss Blue Liner takes home that trophy. When it comes to goalies, Carolina's tandem of Anderson and Ranta will take home the Jennings Trophy with least amount of goals conceded. While the winningest netminders this year were Russians Andrei Vasilevsky and Sergei Bobrovsky with 39 wins in total closely followed by Yusa Saros with 38 and Galleries Jacob Markstrom plus Colorado's Darcy Kemper with 37 wins to their names. Top 3 in shoutouts was Markstrom on top with 9, Sorokin with 7 and Rangers netminder Sesterkin with 6 shoutouts in total. 
save percentage leader was Shesterkin with 0.935 save percentage, followed by fellow Russian Ilya Sorokin with 0.925 save percentage, and Carolina's Freddie Anderson and Markstrom with 0.922 save percentages. So as you can see, the Russians have taken over the crease in the NHL, and even though the Islanders didn't make the dance this year, Sorokin proved his worth across the regular season, as I had pointed out earlier this year. Florida took home their first ever President's Trophy and head to the playoffs as the top dog in the league, while the Avs finished the season as the top team in the Western Conference. The Canadians were the worst team in the league, 55 points in total and possessed the best odds heading into NHL 2022 Shane Wright raffle. We are going to bite into each team's individual performance this year on a later date, so with all this information provided to you, I think we are finally ready to move on to our playoff matchups preview. And the 16 teams fighting for the Stanley Cup are Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston and the Capitals from the East, and Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, Calgary, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Dallas and the Preds from the Western Conference. So let's head to see the matchups. In the West, where we begin, the matchups are the first seed Colorado Avalanche versus the second wildcard team Nashville Predators, second seed Minnesota Wild versus third seed St. Louis Blues, Pacific's first seed team Calgary Flames versus first wildcard team Dallas Stars, and the last matchup, second seed Edmonton Oilers versus third seed Los Angeles Kings. In the East, President's Trophy winner Florida Panthers faces the second wildcard team Washington Capitals in the first round. Second seed Toronto Maple Leafs takes on the back-to-back -back champions, third seed Tampa Bay Lightning. Meanwhile, first team in the Metro, the Carolina Hurricanes face up against first wildcard team Boston Bruins. And the last remaining matchup is going to be between the second seed New York Rangers and the third seed Pittsburgh Penguins. So pretty exciting matchups across the board and I can already tell you that one or two teams are going to flop big time. The only question is which teams will collapse already in the very first round. But with that, let's begin the deep dive from the West. First off, Colorado versus Nashville. Any reason to believe that the Avs will falter against the pesky Preds because I don't think so. At least now that we heard that Saros might be out with a lower body injury. And even if he's able to play, he won't be 100%. And that's a problem for the Preds when facing Central's powerhouse. The Preds were the last team to clinch a playoff spot as the Golden Knights shat the bed themselves. And their top scorer this year was their defenseman and captain Roman Yossi. So at least that tells me something not that Yossi is a duster, but the rest of the team needs to cut the slack offensively. They started the season very strongly and looked like a rejuvenated team that could cause some harm in the playoffs, but during the second half of the season, their game started to slumber and they fell off the top spots from the central. Ryan Johansson and especially Matt Duchesne have had tremendous seasons statistically speaking, and young players such as Alexander Carrier and Tanner Janot have taken huge steps in their development. Philip Forsberg is still extremely dangerous offensive threat, but still the Preds are lacking offensive maestro from their top lines, 
and in my mind their depth is just questionable plain and simple they have good gritty defensive forwards such as Nick Cousins, Colton Seasons and Luke Cunning but if young guns Philip Tomasino and Eli Tolvanen can't find another gear to their offense I believe that they have zero to no chance of beating the Avs team which is bound for a deep playoff push this year. Saros' situation will be the X-factor in the series and even with him in their net I still firmly believe that the Avs are going to advance from this matchup. Kadri and Gerard have already made their comebacks and their captain Gabriel Landeskog is bound for his. How fit is he remains a question but his presence on its own should benefit the Avs squad in the postseason. So I think this series will be a taster for them going forward and the only worries I have for them are pretty much the injuries that they battled against through the past two seasons. And as we know, the game doesn't become any easier in the playoffs, so that really is a big worry on their behalf. They have tremendous amounts of firepower on all fronts. Depth is now undeniable, especially after the acquisitions of Lehkonen, Cogliano and Manson. And now that their starter Darcy Kemper has found his groove during the last part of the season, the only questions remain on their health department and if Kemper is able to keep up his level when the games start to matter even more. So in conclusion, Colorado will advance and I think you didn't expect anything else from me since my prediction before the season started was that the Avs were finally going to take home the cup and I'm still going to firmly hold on to that thought until it's all said and done. So from this point on, you don't have to question if they are going to advance further into the playoffs they remain as the champs in my books so let's move on to our second matchup next up we got probably the most anticipated matchup in the west as the minnesota wild and the st louis blues will go at it in a seven game series this one is going to be one heck of a barn burner and it's gotta be said that i feel sorry for the fan base that gets eliminated from the postseason since both of these teams in my mind deserves a spot in the quarterfinals with the way they played even though they haven't achieved anything yet but because of the NHL playoff structure two top teams ended up facing each other in the very first round. Well nevertheless let's dive deeper into details of this matchup. Like I mentioned the Wild were the second best team in the central and their first line of 100 point guy Caprizov Racket power forward Ryan Hartman and the playmaking maestro Matt Zuccarello have found a chemistry that has been missing for years in the state of hockey. The chemistry between Kaprizov and Zuccarello has been amazing to watch and overall the Russian phenom has brought an element to the city that it has never seen before. One could argue for Marian Gabryk but uh, trust me but still not even close. It has to be stated that this guy is a real superstar in this league and some don't even realize his real value for the franchise. They had to wait for his arrival but now that we really get to witness his greatness you just have to appreciate it. But fortunately their game doesn't enter their first line and the numbers are a good reflection of that. Depth is there on both sides of the puck. Kevin Fiala has been on fire lately and expectations on his behalf grow as we head to the playoffs. Matthew Boldy, 
has had a very nice rookie season while rugged wingers Jordan Greenway and Marcus Foligno bring both scoring help as well as physical presence on their top nine. On their fourth line, deadline acquisition Nicolas Delorier alongside Honey Badger Brendan Duhame comprise a nasty partnership to play against. And in their back end, they also find lots of shutdown ability in Jonas Brodeen, Matt Damba, Jacob Middleton, Jared Spurgeon, John Merrill, Dimitri Kulikov and Jordi Ben. So you can say that the team looks exactly like one could expect from a Western Conference team. Physical team with great two-way ability bolstered with seasoned netminders behind their defense. And speaking of which, since arriving in Minnesota, 9 wins, 2 losses, 0.910 save percentage and 2.74 goals against average for the flower. And he has taken the crease from Talbot, which was somewhat expected. So fairly strong tandem in goal as well, but their biggest weakness in my mind lies in their center spot. Where their number two center currently is Freddy Gaudreau. And if I'm right, he's ordinarily played bottom six minutes, so something doesn't add up in my mind. He's tremendous on both sides of the puck and brings his two-way game to the table each night, but when you compare it to St. Louis center depth, there is a major difference there. The back end is solid as it is. The wings have diversity to spread. But still, I question their center spot because the fact is that it is the most important position in most cases if you count out goaltending. And you can see from the previous Stanley Cup winners that they had depth at center spot. And my prediction thus is that it's not going to cut for the wild for that exact reason. And don't get me wrong, this matchup isn't going to end in a blowout or at least I don't believe in it. But more than that, the deciding factor for me is the lack of center depth for the Wild, just to clear out that thought. But on the blue side, why do I think that they have the advantage, even though one could argue against their net mining being inferior because of Bennington's recent depreciation? Well, first off, cup in their pocket from 2019. Second of all, team built for the playoffs, meaning... Depth at center spot, depth on both offense and defense overall, plus good mix of skill and physicality. Numbers are also on their side on all sides, and most of all, energizing youth and calm experience blended into each other. That is the recipe. Yes, of course, no one can predict how the netminders will play, but with the way Huso has stopped the pucks this year, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he prolonged this streak to the postseason as well, where we could see another hero story in St. Louis. In case of emergency, they have a guy on their bench who has already done it and made a name for himself for doing so, so there could be options if shit hits the fan. In my mind, they lack absolute superstar from their team, but like we saw in 2019, the depth was the key for this team, and you have to remember that they have likes of O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Perron, Thomas, Kairou, Shen, Saad, Bushnevich, Krug, Pareko, Ledi, Falk, and Niko Mikkola in their lineup. And add to that this year's sensation, Ivan Barbashev, and you start to realize how freakishly deep this team really is. Well, not Florida caliber, but you get my point. 
And like I said, they have grit and skill and any of their top three lines can produce offense. Their defense can chip in as well while focusing more on keeping the puck out of their net. And most of all, they are a really tough team to play against. That's exactly why they've been one of my favorites this whole year. So I wouldn't be surprised if this team made a deep playoff push this year. And this would be the team to beat the Avs in the West. But since they might face them in the next round, I have to go with my earlier pick from that matchup. But as I mentioned, the goaltending is the biggest question mark. And we will have the answer once the game starts. So until then, you just have to rely on my analysis. And with that, I'll just say that the Blues will get past the Wild in seven games. But this really could go either way. I believe in Hoos and the Blues overall. And I also have to pull some home as well. So it's going to be Blues in seven. That's my pick. Let's move to Pacific. In the third matchup, we have another powerhouse of the West going against a team that just squeezed into the playoffs. Calgary Flames versus Dallas Stars. And I mean... This on paper should be one of the more lopsided matchups in the playoffs alongside the Avs versus the Preds. Calgary, 340 goal scorers plus 135 goal scorer and overall two 100 point players. While Dallas only has one plus 40 goal scorer and Ropa Hints as their only other plus 35 goal scorer. And oh yeah, team's goal differences from the regular season. Calgary plus 85 and Dallas minus 8. So a small difference there as well to say the least. Dallas has decent depth on both offense as well as defense. But these two teams are just on totally different planets. And the comparison doesn't relieve any pressure from the stars. Their netminder Jake Ottinger is facing his biggest challenge thus far. And if the stars want to have any chance of advancing from this matchup. He needs to perform on a level we've never seen before against a team that was firing full metal jacket throughout the regular season. Stars first line of Robertson, Hinz and Pavelski is lethal, but if the Flames are able to shut down that line, where the offense is supposed to come from? Ben and Sagan have both lost a step, even though both somewhat bounced back from horrific starts but for example, Gurianov's and Radulov's contributions are just not enough at this point. We know that Radulov has had tremendous appearances in the postseason, but he really needs to wake up now because he's gone through the season with fog lights on and now it really needs to change. Ben is at his best in the playoffs as the physicality increases, but how well the team handles the pressure on a nightly basis when you know that there are some serious killers on the other end who won't just stop coming at you just for the sake of it. They have to dig deep and only chance I give them is the puncher's chance since we've seen the flames falter before in the playoffs but now I just can't see that happening under their head coach Daryl Sutter. When it comes to flames they in my mind are already through to the next round and bound to challenge for the conference title in the West. As stated, their first line of Goudreau, Lindholm and Kajak was one of, if not the best in the league this year, and their team looks balanced enough to go far in this year's playoffs. In defense, 
Rasmus Andersen has become a true top four defenseman alongside Man Rocket himself, Noah Hannifin. Oliver Shillington has finally made his real breakthrough, which I've been waiting since the moment I saw him in the U20 World Championships, where he amazed me with his mood skating. And lastly, Chris Tanev, who pretty much got thrown out of Vancouver, has been their backbone on the blue line throughout the entire season. And you can't really even grasp his real value for the team. For the opposing teams, it also doesn't ease the pain knowing the fact that on their bottom pairing you got two bruising blue liners, Nikita Zadorov and Eric Gubranson. And right in front of them, you might see guys like Blake Coleman, who hits everything that moves and with force. Dylan Dubé, who doesn't shy away from the physical play either, topped off by the bouncer himself, Mr. Milan Lucic and his TNT type of frame. Yep, good luck fighting for the pucks in the corners. Might as well reserve your ticket to the Bahamas at this point and stop by at the local hospital for a checkup. They got secondary scoring as well, and as I stated previously, Markstrom has been on top tier form behind a well-oiled machine. So all in all, this team will be a menace for many other teams in this year's playoffs. Real opportunity to show what they are made of, and for me their real stealing is the finals, if not even the Stanley Cup. Before that though, Johnny Hockey has to prove his worth in the postseason since we are yet to see that, but in conclusion, Flames in for quick and easy, that's my pick, on to our last matchup in the West. Last bout in the Western Conference is an unpredictable one where we have two superstars facing two elite shutdown guys. The Edmonton Oilers versus Los Angeles Kings. And I gotta admit, this one is a tough one to call. It's undeniable that if the Kings want to advance, they need to shut down the pairing McDavid and Drysaddle. But the problem here is that they probably won't play on the same line. And unlike last year, they got Shaq Hyman and Evander Kane to back up the two superstars. Not to mention increases in production for both Puljujärvi and Yamamoto. Evan Bouchard has become their number two guy in defense and ended the season with tremendous total of 43 points in 81 games, including 12 goals from the blue line. But there are a few issues still. Their number one guy Darnell Nurse, how healthy he will be is another question on its own. Second of all, how well their depth is able to provide support for their top two lines on offense, if need be. Because the top lines carry the team's offense and most of it was on the shoulders of those two previously mentioned, as one could already expect. Same thing with defense. Bouchard has emerged, but how well players such as Keith, CC, and Barry will perform in the postseason. And the last one, and probably even the biggest one, their goaltending. Mike Smith on fire the last month of play and, if I'm not completely wrong, didn't lose a single game in the last 12 he played with just south of 0.940 save percentage, so at least the baseline is there for a strong continuation for that streak. So as you see, only few things are concrete at this point and even though McDavid and Drysaddle will without a shadow of a doubt provide offense for the team. Their contribution was halted to a minimum in last year's playoffs, so who's to say that that won't happen again this year? Not me, that's for sure, but 
especially if the kings are able to kill out their power play that will enable them to grab a stranglehold from their opposition but like i said now they got some support behind those guys who should be able to carry some load so i have more hope in this team than i had the year prior but still the kings provide a hefty challenge for the oil country but just like the oils the kings as well have few problems to solve in the process goaltending for them most likely isn't going to be an issue since jonathan quick has caught fire again after a mid-season slump and will be their starter heading into the playoffs and we all know his resume from the postseason but unlike the oils the kings doesn't possess similar firepower and they've clawed and scratched their way into the playoffs without any major offensive outbursts but more so consistent production from their top guns as well as solid defense from their entire team has enabled them to grab a playoff spot philip dano probably has been their mvp this season and he has accomplished all milestones set for him after the offseason signing victor arvidsson has been a tremendous addition as well but the big setback for them announced itself just two weeks ago when we heard the news that Drew Doughty had underwent a successful wrist surgery and was going to miss the remainder of the season playoffs included. This will be a hard pill to swallow for both the Kings as well as Doughty himself since as he stated he's been fed up with losing and now that the Kings are finally competing in the postseason he won't unfortunately be able to play meanwhile the Kings lose their number one defenseman from their back end as they match up against a team that is known for their lethal offense he had a really nice comeback season this year and it's clearly obvious that he is one of their biggest assets inside their locker room so this certainly will decrease their odds of going far in the playoffs without a doubt i haven't seen many teams in the finals without their best defensemen and for example last year showed us how big of an impact a major presence in the blue line can make and without Shea Weber we've seen exactly what the Canadians have become. It's not going to be easy without their top dog on their blue line so best of luck you are really going to need it in this matchup. Add to that the fact that Sean Walker is in the IR as well so two guys in total are missing from their top four. Sean Dursey has been a tremendous addition to their back end and Jordan Spence has held his own in the games he's played but those guys are the future and the big boys can't be replaced just like that with young guns on this level it's an unfortunate fact and to me against a team that is known for the offense they bring you would need a complete roster to fight back but in this case the oils as well have some unanswered questions that could be used to own advantage and that is exactly why I don't necessarily see the lack of defense as a make or break for this team. But even knowing that and saying that out loud, I'm still firmly believing in Connor's redemption tour and that they are going to advance to the quarterfinals. Anze and Deno can shut down those guys for a few games but that unfortunately won't be enough this year. I don't see them having the firepower to fight against them even with tremendous year from for example Arvidsson and Kempe. They will certainly miss Doughty and Walker from their back end and I can't get over the fact that the young guns are really going to challenge the most lethal partnership in the NHL in their first year 
and think that they have it in the bag. Unfortunately, that won't be the case this time around. Without a doubt, I can see a situation where the Kings go through, and as I said, this was a hard matchup to try to predict, but my instinct just says do not bet against two of the most lethal offensive players in the league, and that is my approval for the situation. So Olsen 6 is my pick for this matchup. Kings will take this experience with them and continue to groom their young guns for future playoff runs. And that will close the book for West. So now let's head across the continent. The first matchup in the East is going to feature the President's Trophy winner Florida Panthers and the second wildcard team Washington Capitals. And for some reason I get a similar feeling from this matchup than I did a year ago with the Bruins Caps series. Florida has been the juggernaut throughout the season meanwhile the Caps have regressed from their glory days while having one of the worst goalie tandems of the playoff teams. In my papers this is going to be a pretty quick series based on the absolute firepower that the Panthers possess and the fact that Caps don't have a solid standalone goaltender suited up for the playoffs, plain and simple. I can see Florida losing one of their away games but more than that and you are talking about the President's Trophy curse which eventually will take its toll in the postseason you just wait and see. Leaning on that fact, the Caps though are the best away team in the league so that could tell you something and support the idea that they are going to steal at least one of the games in this series. They are after all one of the more physical teams in the league which should benefit them to some extent because they are certainly ready for some physical postseason hockey. But on the hindsight, the speed and skill of the Panthers in my mind is a weapon that the Caps can't match in their current form and the former champs are facing a steep hill to climb early in the postseason when they face the best rush team in the league and I can already tell you that this series ain't gonna be won by defense. Let me make that clear. Caps top two lines are still lethal and the top blue liners can still operate with great efficiency but injuries have taken a toll on this team as I thought before the season started and the group isn't what it used to be when they hoisted the Lord Stanley Trophy. Kuznetsov could be a make-or-break player, Ovi will give his all, there's no denying that. But for example, Beckstrom and Oshi have slowed down because of injuries and that's not what the Cavs fans necessarily wanna hear. Their defense isn't also what it used to be and likes of Carlson and Orlov will have to carry heavy loads while Jensen and rookie defenseman Martin Fervari will support the top blue liners in the process. But even with deep rosters, the team needs its contenders and in this case I believe that it will be the downfall of the Capitals in this year's playoffs. They could do some harm in a short playoff battle, but in the long run there really ain't enough to make me believe that they would have a real chance at the cup when comparing them to their competition for example. The top guys would need to elevate their game to new levels but that on its own wouldn't be enough to beat the high-flying Panthers first of all because of their defense has to withstand a constant offensive pressure when the team doesn't have the puck. So in my notes they will start their offseason after just five games. The momentum matters more than many believe when entering the postseason and while some could say that the Panthers have already topped off like the Bolts did a couple of years back 
I just can't see that at this point. And the only worries I have for them are their goaltending and defense. In a sense that Bob's inconsistency just worries me year in and year out. And while they've scored north of 4 goals per game, they've been at the entail of the league when it comes to goals allowed. And we know that the Cavs, for example, could utilize that to their advantage, especially if they end up in a penalty trouble during the games. Panthers' power play has been lethal, but in the playoffs you can throw away all the stats from the regular season since the playoffs are a season on its own, and you can depend on past success at this point, unfortunately. We all know what their top players are capable of, and it doesn't need to be addressed while the additions made on the deadline, Giro and Gerard, for example, are going to be valuable options who bring extra experience to their roster. The depth is unsurmountable, and the likes of Marchment, Lundell, Reinhardt and Bennett could become X-Factors in the playoffs alongside their top guns, and I'm even expecting Bennett to become once again one of their leading forces, because we witnessed the fact that this guy thrives in the crunch time when things get physical. The defense has to hone itself out before the final parts of the playoffs, but let me remind you that their defense is still very capable defensively, and they got depth on that position as well, which will give them options for each night. Mackenzie Weger has been one of the most underrated defensemen in the league for a few seasons now. Gustav Forsling has become a dependable two-way presence in the top four. Sharat is a steady groundsman on the blue line, and Radko Gudas is a nasty piece of flesh, who doesn't shy away from anyone or anything especially when things start to really heat up. So as I've said, the teams that are able to adjust on the fly and abuse their opposition's weaknesses are the favorites when things start to matter, and that's exactly why I'm eager to see how the Panthers will hold on to their early success. Aaron Ekblad could be back sooner rather than later, which will be a major boost for the team, but once again, how healthy is he and how much mileage you can put on him during the most crucial time of the season is the question after another major injury. We are yet to see that and I'm really excited to see how the Panthers are able to perform after a stellar regular season. So to conclude, Panthers is my pick in five games. On to the next one. Then we have most likely the most anticipated matchup in the East, where two heavy-duty offenses face each other when the worlds of Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning collide for the first time this week. Both teams are quite evenly matched and both teams possess a great amount of superstars, which will entertain us in the first round matchup. But what are the X-Factors in this series? First of all, the goaltending. And I might add, Toronto's goaltending. We saw what Campbell was able to do in the postseason last year, but now with full season under his belt, injuries that have slowed down his performance alongside the sheer amount of games played related to previous seasons. Second of all, special teams. Toronto was this year's best power play team in the regular season. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay was one of the more penalized teams so that will play a big part in this equation for both teams. In the playoffs though, the rulings are on the air sometimes since the games matter more, but if the Bolts end up spending too much time in the penalty box, they might and will have some troubles when facing the young guns of the Leafs. But on that same breath, 
we need to remember the fact how the Leafs power play was shut down in their last year's playoff run. So I repeat the statement made just a few minutes ago, where the teams need to adjust the changes. And since the Leafs have struggled with this aspect in the postseason previously, it doesn't really warm my heart on that front. They've added solid pieces to both offense and defense, and they start to have the physical core in the roster that would be able to stand the onslaught of more physical teams, and could even match that to some extent. They have tools in their back end to mix and match in different situations, and they now have big bodies that can shut down oppositions. But how well they are able to do that still remains a question, since that has been their problem throughout the regular season. The problem here isn't the offense, since we've already seen what they are capable of on that front, but defense and goaltending need to prove their worth this year, if they dream of becoming more than just a good regular season team. And the shutdown ability will be put on a test early in the first round, as they match up against the likes of Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Andre Palat, Braden Point, Anthony Cirelli, Alex Killorn and the bunch, and to me, this is the best test of their capability since, in my mind, you couldn't have gotten a better opportunity to face your former demons because the challenge won't get any harder from this, at least in my opinion. The Bolts have a brick wall in net as well, who is able to turn on the switch at any moment in the playoffs, and the grinding four-line pressure is really going to test their threshold from the first puck drop. And even the Bolts' fourth line of Maroon, Belmer, and Perry is able to make an impact offensively, so the Leafs need to claw every inch of their being to see if they really are now ready for prime time. Just good won't be enough in this series, but if they are able to overcome their previous history and prove the doubters wrong, there is a real possibility that this team goes far in the playoffs. Let me make that clear. They are facing a huge obstacle in the first round, but this is their battle test and we can expect a fiery matchup between these two teams. The Bolts pretty much have nothing to prove at this point, they know what they need to do in order to accomplish their goal, so turning up the notch is the next step for this team in the playoffs. We know what they are capable of in the postseason and the additions made on the deadline are proving to be worthy. And I'm even expecting Hegel, for example, to improve even more once the playoffs ramp up. And they have the capacity to spread the wealth in a sense that some of their lower line players could become impact players during a long playoff run. So, it goes without saying that the Bolts are once again a very dangerous team to face in the playoffs because of multiple different factors and that is probably their biggest resource at this point. Overall, it's going to be an electrifying matchup between these two from the very first draw, and because of their recent past, I'm going to give the edge to Bolts and say that they will eventually advance in six games. Yes, I'm really sorry Leafs Nation. The playoffs are a game of small margins, and the Bolts have already proved us twice that they are able to stretch thin in order to accomplish their goal, which is a huge thing for a team with back-to-back cups. And I know, as well as you know, that they are ready for this, and no one should question that fact. So Bolts in 6 is my final prediction. On to the next one. The penultimate matchup in the East is the one between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. And once again, I'm very excited to see how this matchup will unravel, 
since there is some uncertainty that plays into this first round duel. First and probably the biggest detail in this matchup is the goaltending aspect once again since just this week we got the news that Freddie Anderson was going to at least miss the first game of this series and there is still some doubt about his playability overall. Antti Ranta as well has dealt with some injuries once again this year so they've had to call up their Russian prospect Pyotr Kochetkov who's been tremendous in the AHL and showed his abilities on the NHL ice as well in his three starts. It's going to be a tough challenge for him though, if the Canes decide that they can depend on Ranta in the postseason and if Freddy will be sidelined for a long period of time, that's going to throw a massive wrench in their progress to say the least. This is exactly what the Leafs fans have been saying for years and now the Canes receive the not so pleasant benefit for his services and there is a serious doubt about their chances of winning this series if the goaltending remains in doubt. But similarly the problem doesn't only concern the Canes since the Bruins as well are bound to see how strong their goaltending really is because their tandem of Ulmark and Swayman isn't really battle-tested in the postseason and during the regular season their play fluctuated quite tremendously so there is a certain doubt heading into this matchup for them as well. In all counts they are very capable goaltenders there's no doubt about it but as I've addressed the playoffs are just different on many levels so they will most certainly want to prove their worth in the postseason as well. It's a benefit to have two capable goaltenders, but on the hindsight, if you have one elite caliber puck stopper in your crease, at least I would prefer that over a strong tandem in the postseason, which works perfectly in the regular season when you have to rotate your goalies. But once again, in the playoffs, you play one game at a time and one game can change the course of the series, so just keep that in mind. Then after goaltending, the B's next big question mark relates to their depth and although they've added pieces to their blue line and their offense has looked dangerous as of late, the bottom six needs to step up to the plate as well. And as we've seen in the past, that's been probably their biggest weakness, so they got a lot to prove on that front as well. Carolina will come at them with all four lines so they have to match the energy and if they're not capable of doing so they will start their golf tour in just a week so that is the other concern on their behalf. The numbers favor the Canes on all fronts and they've been one of the best defensive and penalty killing teams in the regular season and as we know defense matters in the playoffs and in that they are the one to beat in this matchup and overall in the east. Their system heavily relies on defensive contribution and their top guns can produce effectively, so there's no doubt about that either. Speed kills and that is Kane's bread and butter and especially the ability to roll all four lines is a major advantage, while knowing the fact that their defense won't leak because of heavy attack. And even though the Bruins have added solid names to their blue line, the question remains if it's really strong enough to withstand a 60-minute pressure from opposition's all four lines. The Hurricanes have good combination of experience and youth in their ranks and don't have any major injuries inside their locker room other than Anderson, and that is why I'm expecting a lengthy spring for the bunch of jerks. The Bees have the capacity to beat the Canes and I'm expecting a long battle between these two but on the other hand as I've stated in the previous episode I could also expect the Bruins to falter and bow out in just few games so 
there really isn't a clear picture of what this matchup really becomes to. If the Canes get the goaltending they've received thus far, they are headed to the conference finals, but if the Bruins find their playoff gear and make their last push towards the Lord Stanley, there is a real possibility, but in this case, I must say that the Canes will advance after a full seven-game series, and that closes the book for these two. Two high-energy teams going at it which have lots to prove, so I'm very excited to see how this matchup eventually concludes. Let's head to our last matchup, the Rangers versus the Penguins. And so the last matchup is finally upon us, so let's keep the momentum going until the very end. Rangers were the second best team in the Metro, while the Penguins clinched their playoff spot relatively easily, as the rest of the teams faltered before the last part of the regular season. Rangers surprised many fans with their performance, and one player that really stood out this year for them was Chris Kreider, who notched 50 goals for the first time in his career. Also, you can't forget about the season their netminder Igor Shesterkin had, and he was pretty much the reason why the Rangers were able to take home the home advantage for the playoffs. Absolutely stellar year for the Russian box stopper, but once again, the playoffs will test, first of all, his endurance. He carried the load for most of the season, even though Georgiev picked up his game during the last stretch of the regular season. And second of all, the pressure management, because after all, he's only played one playoff game for the Rangers during these three years. It's going to be tested early as the experienced Penguin squad rolls around to Manhattan, seeking for their last chance of grabbing home the Lord Stanley. Their additions on the deadline have paid dividends thus far, and especially Andrew Kopp is a proven playoff performer, so more can be expected from him once this matchup starts this week. There is a certain level of depth in the roster and they've added big bodies to their lineup to prevent similar outcome to the one where the Caps straight up abused their squad physically. Truba, Lindgren, Goudreau and Reeves will bring the physical element alongside Kreider, but still somehow I have some doubts about their depth since it consists of young players that are going to be tested in the postseason, plus players that are not known for their added offensive inputs. Similarly, if one of their top blue liners suffers an injury, they might be in danger of losing the grip since their depth on defense pretty much consists of young, unproven D-men, if you count out rugged cement-footed defenseman Jared Tinordi. To me, there is a real concern on that front, but if the young bucks are able to shine in the playoffs or even add decent offensive numbers to the table while not being liabilities defensively, this could be the team to surprise many teams in the playoffs because of a stealthy offense and high-caliber goaltending. The Pens, on the other hand, have their own problems to solve as well. And for starters, we might as well keep the trend going and dwell into their goaltending position, since at this point we know that Tristan Jerry won't be starting for them for Game 1, and if he has any lingering injuries in his back pocket, that won't enhance their chances in the postseason. We all remember his recent melting axe, and even though he's had a stellar regular season, he doesn't have a strong track record in the playoffs. Let me remind you of that. This is probably the last Ura for the Penn squad, and if not the last, the time is really ticking for this team. The pipeline is shrouded, and there are no immediate support arriving from their farm system, so it has to get done with this current team one way or the other. 
They got deep lineup ready for the playoffs, and surprisingly, Ricard Raquel, who they acquired on the deadline, has been solid contributor on their top six, so only more could be expected from him in the postseason. They got grid, speed, two-way capability, and star power, and they are able to rotate their lineup if need be, so they could be the team that surprises the favorites in this year's playoffs. We all know the Crosby factor and how he's able to lift the team up once the playoffs start, while Chris Latang is playing the best hockey of his career and Gino is a well-known producer who has the ability to change the outcome of a game with a blink of an eye. He might not be the player he used to, but you can't underestimate his value in the playoffs. Their defense is not as highly touted as many others in the playoffs, but it's well-balanced and defensively oriented, which makes an impact in the last part of the season. Mike Sullivan is a wizard behind their bench and knows what is needed during this time of the year, so he will give his all in order to facilitate a beneficial situation for the entire team. But still, the biggest question remains in goal and we are about to see if this was a lost cause for the Pens and the young upcoming Rangers team is able to scratch their way to the quarterfinals from this matchup. Even though I would love to say that the Rangers are going to take this one and finally make it further into the playoffs, I gotta respect Mr. Crosby and his ability to lift the team up during the crunch time. And I see their other cogs pushing themselves to the limits in order to make the final push for the Stanley Cup. And so, my take is that the Penguins will take this series in 7 games and move towards the finals in the East. But I have to say that if Jari isn't able to play or he melts once again in their crease, it's going to be a quick series for the Rangers. But for now, I believe in the Penguins and say that they will advance from this matchup. So to conclude all my picks from the first round, Avs versus Spreads, Avs in 5, Mini versus Blues, Blues in 7, Flames versus Stars, Flames sweep in 4, Oilers versus Kings, Oilers in 6, Cats versus Caps, Panthers in 5, Leafs versus Lightning, Bolts in 6, Canes versus Bees, Canes in 7, and lastly Rangers versus Penguins pens in seven games for the quarterfinals i got the abs advancing over blues calgary taking over the oils in the battle of alberta bolts beating the panthers in a battle of florida and lastly the penguins making their way to the conference finals over the carolina hurricanes yes i do have a blind belief in them and that might be the downfall of my playoff bracket from the conference finals, as you can expect, the Avs will make their way to the finals and will go at it against the Tampa Bay Lightning squad, where the Avs will finally break the curse and take home the Lord Stanley. If I wasn't relying on my early predictions, I would say that the Blues would advance to the finals against the Bolts and get beaten, but since I've made my predictions already, that has to stay as an unofficial statement for now. Unofficial dark horse for the playoffs is going to be the Rangers, but I think there's enough speculation in the air already, so we are just going to leave it at that. I'm extremely excited to experience the playoff atmosphere again after a few underwhelming seasons from the fans' perspective, and I'm going to enjoy this time of the year with all of my heart. There are many, many factors that are still in play that will affect the outcome of these playoffs, but consistency experience, adjustability, will and perseverance will be the keys of unlocking the last door to the promised land in the playoffs. Nothing is given during this time and that's exactly why this time of the year is the most exciting. I've now given my two cents on this matter 
and I would also love to hear your thoughts regarding this year's playoffs. So leave your comments on my social media and feel free to disagree with all my picks. That's pretty much all I had to offer this week. As I said, I'm really sorry for not uploading episodes during the past few weeks, but now we are back at a full throttle, so expect to see more coverage again in the future. Please go leave a rating for the podcast on Spotify and share the episode on social media if you feel like one of your buddies would benefit from a small insider look into the playoff picture. Once again, I thank you for listening and wish that you enjoyed this comeback episode. Exciting times ahead overall and still lots of hockey coverage incoming, so remember to stay tuned each week. That's all for this week. Hope you have an awesome week, bud, and see you next week. Stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.